0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, the world has come to an end. Godby is standing there looking at himself in the mirror while wearing skinny jeans. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. In, I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you with another week of fun-filled pipe smoking frivolity. Yeah, well, all right, enough of that. Um, on this week's show, uh, in Pipe Parts, I'm going to clear up a few things on some of my favorite things. And then my guest tonight is... Pipe maker from England, Chris Asquith. We'll have uh, music, mailbag, and a rave. All that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, And speaking of tonight's, or this week's episode, let me ask you all to do me a favor. Uh, In the past week, I had an exchange on one of the Facebook forums and there was five or six people that responded wanting to know the link to the how to get to the Pipes Magazine radio show because they had never heard of it. Well, I was kind of surprised that people on Facebook would have never heard of the Pipes Magazine radio show, or uh, you know, or may not listen to podcasts. So here's what I'd like for you to do: do me this favor. Um, if you're on Facebook and if you're in a pipe group. Please pick out your favorite episode from the past and share it on Facebook. Just type in the link to it right there or cut and paste the link to it right there. Let's help spread the word because there is... Apparently, there's a lot of people out there that have uh, never heard of the fact that there are podcasts for pipe smokers or they've never heard of the Pipes Magazine radio show and we all know that... You know what? Anybody that has a commute, or anybody that's working around the house doing chores, or whatever it is, you can always use something to listen to while you're doing it. Or if you're just sitting out on the, you know, sitting down with your pipe and you want to listen to something instead of reading a book or watching TV or whatever. So do me a favor. Wherever you are on the web, just share the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. We've got uh, 300 and, uh, 307 and now seven episodes. Pick out your favorite. Post a link to it in your forum or the group that you're a member of on Facebook or uh, you know what? or just you know stand outside your uh, stand outside on the local street corner and uh, shout about it. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. thank you all for tuning in and here we go. Welcome back. All right, I feel like this may be um, a little bit of complaining, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do what uh, what kind of feels like you know like Oprah Winfrey used to do with Oprah's favorite things, Um, and and I'm gonna do it because I uh, because there was there were some comments back and forth over the last two or three weeks over my favorite tobacco, and it appears that uh, some people haven't been either they they haven't been listening or they didn't hear the one show so. Let me, let me clear up some of my favorite things, and this is by no means an endorsement. It's just these are my favorite things, and I want to make sure that it's clear for everybody. Uh, when it comes to tobacco, I, I, made a, I made a whole big thing about not talking about the tobacco that was my one favorite, my one absolute favorite. And part of the reason why was because I didn't want to influence anybody into you know, thinking that they were going to love it. Uh, The other reason was that, you know, at the time I wasn't working for the company that made it or sold it. So I couldn't really freely talk about it. So I just stayed, uh, you know, completely fair and impartial and was the Switzerland of tobaccos. Well, that one favorite tobacco of mine was uh, was a small line from McClellan called Blakeney's Best. And it is the Acadian Ribbon. The Acadian Ribbon is a, uh, I I consider it to be a medium to almost full Virginia Perique ribbon cut toasted Virginias. And for some reason, I fell in love with it. Now, was it the most popular McClellan blend ever? Nope. Uh, In some cases, it was almost one of the least popular, (laughs) except when I would buy it. Uh so, is, you know, my popularity was a great, no. Do I like it? Yes. Now, of the other tobaccos that I have a significant amount of, uh, McCraney's red ribbon, which I mentioned, I was, uh, I, I smoked two cans of it a year. Two cans. That's my limit on it. Because the other straight Virginias that I like for my morning time, uh, summertime breakfast bowl is Esoterica's Tilbury. Uh, The Amphora Regular, I like that. Uh, And then there's a couple other Oddball McClellans that I've picked up that are just, you know, straight Virginias. And and I like them for my breakfast smoke. Um, In the evening time or during the winter time as the day goes on the other tobacco that i have a significant amount of that i like is the uh, is the mcbaron hh old dark fired uh, in particular i like the ready rubbed version i find it just to be easier to deal with for me instead of having to rub out a flake Again, I find it to be just a good full- bodied tobacco kind of high on the nicotine level, but after the at the end of a bowl of it, I'm satisfied and I know that I've smoked a bowl of tobacco. Uh, other Virginia periques that I like, there's a couple other McClellans that I've that I've bought chunks of. and then there is escudo. Uh, escudo I do enjoy, but, now for me escudo has become more of a wintertime kind of a smoke because it is a little uh, a little more punchy, a little more um, uh, it's not as punchy in my opinion as it used to be but it's it's a little more punchy. All right so those are those are basically where my tobaccos lie. I've got some variations I've got a couple I've got some stuff where I've bought, three or four or five tins of this and that and all and i'll smoke those over the over time i'll pop open a tin of this or a tin of that um but really my core range is the acadian ribbon and then maybe a bowl a day of something else maybe a bowl a day of something else that's that's really about it um i find that if i Try to go three, you know, a full day without the Acadian Ribbon. Yeah, I can do it. But, you know, uh, it's not that much fun for me. If I open up a jar of something, of some bulk that I've had, a bulk Virginia Perique, you know, I'll fight through as much of the jar as I can. And then I still want my Acadian Ribbon. It's kind of my my home kind of go-to. Um and I've yet to find anything else that will match it. And thankfully I was able to acquire a whole bunch of it. So I've got stocks of it. I'm good for now. Um, but that's, again, that's really where I am as far as my favorite tobaccos. Uh, when it comes to accessories and pipes, uh, pipe-wise I will tell you, flat out simply, my my favorite pipe maker is Smeo Sato of Japan. The... Uh, just for some reason Sato pipes and me they just click. Do I smoke my Satos all the time? No, because they're a little more uh, event oriented, but there's not a day or two that yeah, it, it there's not two days that doesn't go by where I don't at least pick up one and smoke it for the evening. Um uh, do I smoke, um, you know, if I'm if I'm out doing stuff, I've got I've got travel pipes or I've got pipes that I'm more comfortable with uh you know setting them down somewhere um i have traveled with one of the sato's but again you know that's just a uh, that's a special smaller pipe in a sandblast um are sato pipes for everybody no no flat out i'll tell you that and uh thankfully you know over the uh nine years now that I've known about Sato pipes I've able I've been able to collect a few and I'm really happy with my assortment of them so there you go uh and occasionally I throw in one of my Disney one of my Disney related pipes and smoke those too so uh if you want to hear more I can talk accessories and all that stuff on another episode in the meantime uh this interview coming up with Chris Asquith obviously Chris is from England and after we were done recording i realized there's uh, there's some problems with the audio file so i'll just have to apologize now i tried to fix them the best i could but uh, we'll have chris asquith in
1: just a moment this is internet radio i'm jeremy reeves head blender of cornell and deal pipe tobacco company since 1990 cornell and deal has been producing high quality pipe tobacco expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness deep flavor and delightful aroma that makes autumn evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend cornell and deal pipe tobacco company it's a labor of love contact your local or online retailer for information welcome back
0: to the pipes magazine radio show and for this week's guest we are jumping across the pond to the original Plymouth, not that silly rock that we have here on the east coast of the United States, but the original Plymouth, England, where uh, I, I believe a certain ship left there and came across here and uh, started out this whole little country, you know, maybe that Mayflower thing left from there, but uh, Pipe Maker Chris Asquith. Chris, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: All right, so you you are actually in Plymouth, england is that where you grew up
2: it is yes i was born and bred here
0: so you are uh you are a happy local native uh when when did you start getting interested in pipes and pipe tobacco
2: um i started first with cigars in uh, my late teens and i thought that pipes were just a bit more interesting uh and started smoking a pipe in my, well, very, very late teens, very early twenties. Um, so that would have been in about two thousand and five, I suppose. So, so
0: you were kind of one of those, uh, one of those young guys that was an early adopter to pipes instead of this latest Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings crowd.
2: Yeah, I was well ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh I mean growing up in in Plymouth was there a pipe shop right in the center of the town?
2: We do have a pipe shop. Um I didn't go there until long after I was into pipes and making pipes actually. So it was all internet based to begin with.
0: Wow, but would you Uh, As a kid, would you walk by the shop and see all the old men standing there with their pipes or wonder what they were all doing?
2: I had no idea it existed.
0: (laughs) You were more interested in finding, uh, in playing Pokemon than you were looking at pipes.
2: No, I wasn't interested in that either. I was, I I never went with things that were popular, shall we say.
0: So what what was it like growing up for you in Plymouth? What were your interests?
2: Uh, I always had an interest in making things and tinkering with things, so I was forever trying to make things, not always successfully, but that was my main main hobby. Really, I'm not a sports person or anything like that.
0: So you didn't you you didn't stay up to watch your favorite football club or uh, worry about who was the most fashionable new trendy band.
2: No, I've never, uh, never watched a football match ever. 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 Uh, uh, do
0: you have to turn in your Englishman card for that? Because I, I thought that was a requirement.
2: No, not surprisingly, some people here are not interested in football.
0: <laughs> that that's like here in the here in the states where you have somebody who doesn't care what's going on in sports, and yeah, it just doesn't matter to them.
2: Just get a blank look from some people. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so, what what do you think it was that kind of that kind of drew you towards the pipes away from cigars?
2: Um, I think it was just a bit more interesting. There was more than just the tobacco. There was there was a pipe. There was something that you could you could hold in your hand. And There's just. Probably lots of people say it, but there's just something about a pipe, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you remember what your first pipe was? Uh, Yes, it was a second-hand eBay, slightly broken, no-name pipe.
0: (laughs) And when you got it, did you fix it up? I did,
2: yeah. (laughs) That was a long, slippery
0: slope. (laughs) <laughs> and had you had you never purchased that pipe, you'd probably be living a much happier, much wealthier life.
2: I probably would have a lot more
0: money, yeah. <laughs> Instead, uh, what was your first tobaccos?
2: Um, I think it was some McClellan tobacco, actually, that a cigar-smoking friend sent to me from the U.S. to try. Uh, I don't remember which one it was
0: so you kind of started off with a high uh, at a high level of tobacco instead of the usual bad aromatic or uh, or very cheap uh, mainstream tobacco
2: yeah I started off quite well because because I had the cigar smoking friends online when I started getting into pipes I immediately had pipe smoking friends because there's a lot of crossover and uh, lots of people said, Oh, you should try this! And I got lots of sample bags sent to me, so did quite well. Wow! Yeah, so that that, that that's
0: a I mean that that's a rare story for me to hear. But uh, did you find a preference right away with either aromatics or English or Virginias?
2: No particular preference. Uh, I quite I still quite like light aromatics uh not the heavily cased. one of my favorites is boswell christmas cookie Uh-huh. and i consider that to be quite light on the aromatic scale
0: yeah all right so let, let's fast forward when did you decide you were going to learn how to make a pipe
2: uh i joined the local pipe club which i say local but it covers the whole southwest of the uk uh when I was at the pipe club, I met pipe maker Paul Hubart Harrison Pipes. Uh, he lives fairly locally me. And I showed him the pipes that I had been restoring and working on. The and he offered me the chance to uh, have a go at making a pipe. <laughs>
0: so that was, that was your teaching and did you... Uh, did did it get you? It got you started and headed further down the road.
2: Yeah, that was a, that made the slope even more slippery. Then <laughs> I, uh, I visited his workshop and he said, "I'm going to show you how to make a pipe, and then you can just do what I do." So he made a pipe, and then I made a pipe, and I basically haven't stopped making pipes since
0: what was what was the most interesting part for you to learn at the
2: beginning it was just taking a raw piece of wood and at the time of a preformed stem and just creating I could make anything I wanted
0: it was that creative part for you that the that the uh, the original tinkerer or builder enjoyed
2: yeah it was. It was the first thing, really, that I made that not only I could be completely proud of, but also I was able to share it with other people who were also encouraging.
0: Did you find a certain shape or style of pipe that was more difficult for you to make?
2: I don't think so. I've always made quite classic shapes so I started with a, a billiard pot type shape and I still make an awful lot of billiards
0: do you find that the that the classic shapes are still more desirable for uh for pipe buyers than maybe some of the more exotic handmade styles
2: I couldn't really say because I don't make that many exotic types, so I only know what I make. If that yeah. makes sense.
0: Yep. Yep. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And and with you being in in England, where you where the classic billiard and bulldog and lavat were all created, it's kind of in your it, it's in your blood to make those.
2: Yeah, it goes to the territory, really. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, you don't find too many, uh, too many Englishmen aren't uh, aren't very uh, avant garde or uh, wild styled.
2: No, when you see other pipe smokers in this country, they are generally smoking a billiard or a slightly bent apple or a falcon. <laughs> That's
0: about it. Yeah. So let, let's go back to the pipe club again, because. How many people would you have at a uh, at a pipe club meeting and what were the age ranges? Um,
2: up to maybe a dozen and I was the youngest by probably about 30 years <laughs> aside from Paul who was only about 15 years older than me. <laughs>
0: so did they all adopt you as their new favorite son?
2: I think they just looked at me with some strange curiosity to begin with but uh, they were incredibly friendly and welcoming so i can't complain uh,
0: what happens at a usual pipe club meeting
2: uh a lot of sitting around and putting the world to rights
0: <laughs> and fixing all the problems of the world and uh, are you able to smoke at an indoor location, or do you have to go find a place outdoors?
2: No, it has to be outdoors, unfortunately. So do you
0: meet all winter
2: long as well? Uh, we used to. Yeah, the, the fight club sadly doesn't exist anymore, uh, but we did used to meet all weathers.
0: tough the, the, Those tough Englishmen of the western part of the country.
2: Yeah, we're we're used to bad weather here, so.
0: Yeah, well, you wouldn't find a Londoner outside in the bad weather. Oh, that you would. (laughs) Because otherwise they wouldn't be outside for maybe uh, three months out of the year. (laughs) Uh, Chris, we'll take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more about your pipe making and uh, maybe some more about the the pipes of, of history of England, so... Stay with us, we'll be back
1: in just a minute.
0: We are back on the Pipes magazine radio show visiting with pipe maker Chris Asquith and Chris, we've, we've talked about the uh, you know we've talked about the classic shapes, but yet on your website, you've done some stylish stuff. You've done a, a wax drip. Are there any other shapes or styles that you've done that, that are kind of unique to you?
2: Uh, I like trying some more of the freehand style shapes don't find them necessarily that easy to make, but I I do appreciate the challenge.
0: Just to keep that variety going and uh, keep it a little interesting for you?
2: Yeah, especially when, when you've got a lot of pieces of wood in front of you and you can see you see an interesting shape in the wood. and I could still cut a billion out of that block, but sometimes I see like a freehand doubling is normally the shape I would make uh, to best make use of the grain. Uh, so I like to do it a few a year. So, how do you
0: look at a block of wood and figure out where the grain is?
2: Uh, sand the sides and wet it down. And usually you can see the grain quite well from both sides. And you, you sort of have to guess what's in the middle. Normally continues quite well.
0: Uh, do you lick the wood to see if it tastes sweet?
2: I have been known to nibble on a corner of a piece of briar to see how well uh, cured it is. <laughs> uh, speaking of curing,
0: do you have you you live in a fairly moist or humid environment? Do you have to do anything special to the wood to keep it dry?
2: No, it just. Uh, just lives on a shelf in the workshop for as long as is needed until I'm ready to use it
0: and and I and I'm assuming you keep the workshop heated during the winter
2: mostly heated it's sort of internal to the house so it doesn't get too cold out there and living where I do it doesn't get too cold in the winter anyway yeah so
0: but that that little bit of heat also will help keep the uh, keep the moisture down in the In the room itself,
2: yes, just a little bit. Yeah,
0: and then if the block isn't very good for you, you can always throw it in the fire.
2: If I had a fireplace, then yeah, I I
0: I picture everybody in England having a uh, having a little wood burning fire, a little wood burning stove near them, and uh, and keeping it burning all winter long
2: the picture in your mind is a long way from the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Those
0: those electric and gas furnaces are much more effective.
2: Yeah, just about everybody here uses a gas boiler. (laughs) Um, uh,
0: How many, uh, about how how long does it take you to make just a a classic pipe? and, And how many little steps or processes along the way are there?
2: Oh, steps, it all depends on how small you want to break it down, really. I mean, there's hundreds of tiny steps for each little part of the construction process. Uh, But normally, I say it takes about a day to make a pipe. And and all the
0: while you're sitting there in your your workshop all by yourself?
2: Pretty much, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, You are, uh, for an Englishman, you're not afraid of using different colors for stem material and and some of the other stuff. Is is that something that you enjoy doing, or is that something that you were kind of forced into doing? No, definitely something that I've always enjoyed.
2: Uh, I like the classic shapes, but I find black stems can be awfully boring. So I do like to mix it up, introduce some color and just make something a bit more interesting.
0: Are there different materials that you're using besides the standard ebonite?
2: I mostly use polyester for my stems. That's the main material of about 90% of my pipes. I occasionally use ebonite or cumberland, and I sometimes use briar and horn to make stems as well. And the, uh, the polyester,
0: I guess we would consider that to be a acrylic? Or it's similar to acrylic,
2: but it's not quite so hard on the teeth. Huh. So, And
0: does it oxidize like ebonite, or is it more like acrylic and in, in, in that it doesn't oxidize?
2: No, it doesn't oxidize at all.
0: Well, now you have piqued my interest dramatically, because I get tired of having to buff and clean stems, Uh. But it's, uh, it, it's going to be a little softer than the,
2: than the acrylic, but yet the same benefits? It's very similar benefits. Uh, the only slight downside is really for the maker rather than the owner of the pipe, and that's that it's a bit more brittle than acrylic, so you have to be careful when you're shaping and filing it.
0: Wow. And when you're working with horn, do you have the same problems of the brittle nature of it?
2: Horn's not too brittle, but the because it is essentially compressed hair, the fibers can tear if you're not careful when you're filing
0: the, the uh, stem. And I, And I've heard that it smells really bad when you're cutting it or shaping it.
2: I don't find it all that unpleasant, but then I've been making horn stems for a long time, so I'm probably just used to it. I don't think it's any worse than Ebonite to be honest. I've
0: <laughs> I I've only buffed Ebonite to where it's gotten really hot and it and it does smell kind of like burning rubber, but I've heard that some people just can't stand the smell of burning horn. Or buffing horn and
2: if you overheat it it can be quite strong. Most of the processes for pipe making you don't get on stage.
0: Wow. Uh, is there a standard size or diameter of draft hole and combination of, of bowl size that you like to work with?
2: Uh, bowl size depends entirely on the size pipe that I'm making. Sometimes they can be as large as an inch, sometimes only 60 millimeters, I think, about the square. Craft bowl size is always four millimeters in the bowl and three millimeters in the stem.
0: So you keep that traditional no matter what the bowl size or the bowl shape? Yeah. Uh, Does that work for, is that better for you for ease uh, ease of pipe making and also for the draw?
2: I find it gives a nice open draw in the stem. The three millimeter I think is big enough. And the 4 millimeter in the bowl means that even if you get a little bit caked up during smoking, you've still got room there for the uh, smoke to come through fine. Yeah. Uh,
0: being in England, have you had a chance to meet any of the older pipe makers that maybe worked in some of the British factories?
2: I have met a few, yes. We have a, uh, a pipe show in the UK each year, and a few of us are there. To meet them.
0: Um, what are there any new shapes or new, uh, new styles of pipes that you're working on that are kind of giving you uh, problems or
2: anything that you're trying to develop uh, I've been working recently on I started them last year on some hexagonal bold pokers Ooh. and I really like the shape I really enjoy making but it has been difficult to work out an efficient method of making them uh, because i wanted them to be as geometrically precise as i could get them so i've been working on some little jigs to help me get the shaping just spot on and do
0: in that in that shape are you putting is the shank coming into a flat side of the bowl it is yeah yeah and then you got to line up all those other facets to match up to that one perfectly
2: that was the sort of construction process that i've been working on to try and make that not quite foolproof but a method that is much more reliable than just winging it which is how i would make most other pipes
0: do you work on commissions from pipe smokers
2: I do, yeah. Uh, commission work makes up a fair proportion of what I do each year. So that'll that'll
0: if if someone were interested in uh, commissioning a pipe from you, I would assume they go to your website and reach out to you there.
2: Yeah, there's an email link on my website, and the
0: the website is askwith. Pipes.com, askwithpipes.com. Uh, plus, there's a lot of pictures of pipes that are currently available, and then you've got a gallery of, uh, of past work that is just a lot of fun to go through. And a lot of. Uh, <laughs> you've done more. You, you've done a lot of interesting shapes and color combinations and finishes than I think a lot of pipe makers
2: do. I try try and make each pipe unique Uh, with it even if it's a a shape and style that I've done before I'll always try and add a different color stem or a different accent just something to make it special Uh, Is is sandblasting
0: something that you enjoy doing?
2: Enjoy is a very strong word it's uh, uncomfortable and noisy but (laughs) (laughs) I do I like the finish, and it is worth the hard work.
0: Can you, And can you look at a block of briar and say, well, this is going to be a sandblast before you start cutting that shape?
2: Not really. It's not until I've mostly roughed out the pipe that I'll make the decision whether it's going to be a smooth or a sandblast. And even then, I don't know if it's going to make a good sandblast or not.
0: So that, then you get it in the sandblasting cabinet and you find out what's there.
2: Exactly, yeah.
0: Uh, what else do you enjoy doing besides, obviously, pipe making?
2: Uh, I enjoy a bit of DIY, home improvement type things, and usually get roped into lots of jobs by the family. <laughs> uh, I enjoy cooking, as anybody who watches me on Facebook will no doubt be. Bored with by now, as there's a lot more pictures of food than pipes. I think. Uh, you
0: mean you mean to tell me that you that you don't just fill up your Facebook page full of pictures of your own pipes?
2: I'm terrible at self-promotion. Uh, I really every time I post a picture of a pipe, I feel guilty about it. So I post a lot more pictures of things than I've cooked.
0: In <laughs> uh, and, in uh, and being in being in plymouth do you get a chance to uh, travel over to the continent at all or do you have a favorite place that you that you like to go for a holiday?
2: Uh, I do like to go to Spain for holidays which is a classic trope of the uh, British tourist. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, and, and let me guess it, it's the uh, the Mediterranean coast of Spain. Yes. Yeah, so you go down nice weather
2: with lots of other British people. The nice
0: weather and the uh, and the low price, uh, the low price beer and wine.
2: Maybe, maybe that's uh, a consideration.
0: <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I guess I guess there's a uh, there, there's a few uh, there's a few Englishmen that like going to Spain, and then if you get into Scandinavia, they all like going to Italy.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah they all end up in Italy or Greece for some reason, but. Maybe it's because they don't want to be around all the Englishmen that are sitting on the beach in Spain. Yeah, I wouldn't blame them. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you ever see the... Uh, I've seen several pictures of of my British friends on holiday in Spain, and the first day they're all very, very white. And then the second and third day they're all very, very red.
2: Yes, you see a lot of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. We don't cope well in the sun. No. Uh, well, Chris, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. There's no right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. What is your favorite pipe
2: shape? It's got to be a billiard.
0: Just a uh, just a simple classic billiard. Just
2: a simple straight, small
0: billiard. And what is your favorite tobacco?
2: As I already mentioned, probably Boswell's Christmas cookie. And that
0: I would, <laughs> that I would assume is a problem. Sometimes, maybe getting it shipped over to you.
2: Yeah, uh, you just need lots of friends. <laughs> yeah.
0: Lots, lots of friends and a in uh, a postal inspector that's not very nosy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite drink? Beer. There you go. That's a that's a good Englishman. Not lager, beer. Uh, Is there one in particular that you enjoy?
2: No, it's kind of a mission in my life to never drink the same beer twice. Wow. I don't always succeed, obviously, because that's just not possible when you want several beers. But whenever I can, if there's a beer I've not had before, that's the one I'll have. That's got to be a lot of fun. It is. Um,
0: uh, I'm almost the same way now with gins, except I found a favorite, but we're, we're not talking about my alcohol drinking. Uh, I do like gin too. <laughs> yeah. In fact, there's a, uh, Plymouth gin that I really like. Um, uh, there is, it's a very
2: famous, uh, very famous gin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I have a bottle of it here in the, in the good old us of a,
2: is that easily available over there?
0: It is. Plymouth Gin is is fairly easily available. My favorite is, uh, is Sipsmith, which is not real easily available, but I have found it.
2: Right. Yeah, that's quite common here, Sipsmith.
0: Yeah, uh, and not real common here, so... Uh, but I... That's my favorite. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh,
2: movie. I like... I like all three, but probably a movie to distract me. Just sit
0: down with your pipe, turn on the telly, and watch a movie.
3: Yeah. And
0: the final question is, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking-related memory that we have not talked about?
2: Probably just when the pipe club was still running, just sitting around with everybody, all enjoying uh, an open tin of tobacco. Yeah, that must have been... Uh...
0: Uh, did When the Pipe Club was still going, did some of those old-timers bring in tobaccos that they had held on to from years gone by?
2: We did have some uh, old Balkan Sobrani turn up from time to time.
0: Yeah, uh, some good old times. Ah. Yeah. Chris, thank you very much for joining us. Again, the website is AskWith. Pipes.com, com scom com, and uh, you you've you've piqued my interest with your uh, with your stem work so I'll be checking it out for sure
2: I'll have to sell you a pipe
0: I'll have to buy one then <laughs> but Chris thanks again for coming on and uh, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully we'll get together sometime soon and be able to sit down and have a pipe together
2: that would be great thank you for having me
0: And we'll be back in just a minute.
3: What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic Cashmere, the Sultry Licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino Red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today.
4: This is Internet Radio,
0: and I am back. And I again, I want to apologize for the uh, sound quality there, but you should have heard how bad it was before I fixed it. And I swear it wasn't there when we were recording it, so I don't know what happened. Uh, Skype, Russian spies, the NSA—I, you know, I don't know. Trojan virus, something got in there. Anyway, uh, do check out Chris's pipes. I am—I'm uh, really interested in trying out his stem work, and that—that uh, that sounds fascinating to me. Anyway, for music, we are going to, uh, we're going back to Chris Thiele, and Chris's new album is called uh, Thanks for Listening. And uh, it, it, it says here that Thiele uh, played almost all stringed instruments on the album and is joined by some guest singers and here and there. But uh, again, it's the, uh, it's the talented Chris Thiele, and this one is called Feedback Loop. Thank mm-hmm. you.
4: to follow me now, you stupid liar, I'm such a nice guy.
0: Album by Chris Thiele. Thanks for listening. Kind of a, uh, a new, uh, a little departure from what I'm used to hearing from Chris. And uh, remember, Chris is the son of talented pipe maker Scott Thiele. Three little words.
3: You got mail.
0: Lots to get, uh, uh, lots to cover here in the mailbag. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can post it on the uh, on PipesMagazine.com on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show page, or you can go to Facebook and friend request me and send it through Messenger, or email me Brian at PipesMagazine.com. And uh, the first one we'll start out with, if I can find it here, is from uh, Charles. And Charles writes, Brian, if this article is right, the pipe patent was for Kurt Vonnegut Sr. Nevertheless, still a great show and segment. And he sent me a link to the uh, from the Atlantic magazine. And uh, sure enough, it looks like it was Kurt Vonnegut Sr., Kurt's father, who is the pipe patenter. So uh, Kurt at least grew up around a pipe smoker. Um, or he was the patenter anyway. Uh, and then, uh, Charles goes on to say, I've I really enjoyed hearing from Alan Schwartz, a ton of great information from a man with quite a resume. Uh, yeah, he does have quite a resume and then, uh, crash the gray rights. Another great show as a patent agent and a fan of Vonnegut. I was very glad that you covered that. And I went to look at his pipe patent again, which reminds me that his brother Bernard was a prolific inventor uh, patenting the use of silver iodide to seed clouds and cause ice crystallization while working at General Electric. Uh, Kurt used this in Cat's Cradle and other stories. Sorry, moving on. Looking forward to next week. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for that. So the, so the Vonnegut family gives us uh, uh, literature and uh, manufactured rain. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, another good show featuring Alan Schwartz. You don't have much to do when he's on Just wind him up and let him talk. Uh, I'll interject here. I took a. I. I. Alan can tell a story, and when Alan gets going, you don't want to stop him. Uh, But on these episodes with him in particular, I took a lot of me out of it because I just wanted his stories out there. And then uh, Casey goes or Dan goes on to write this. uh, This marijuana thing is the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Those guys are telling people where and when they're going to smoke, and the do-gooders are falling all over themselves to be sure it happens. Uh, yeah, and and the, now the problem is is that some of those uh, some of the uh, very liberal mindset people that wanted to ban smoking in all the public places now have no place to smoke their marijuana. Oh well. Uh, and the next down-home smoker says, "So far, this was my favorite Schwartz segment." Getting to hear how he got into the industry was very enjoyable for me. It is annoying how many results you have to scroll through when doing an internet search for pipes. Now that marijuana is getting... Le- oh, uh, yeah, okay, let me, let me say that again. It is annoying how many results you have to scroll through when doing an internet search for pipes now that marijuana is getting legalized in more states. As far as the jazz, that was quite the piece of music. Thanks for your hard work and pleasant smokes. You are very welcome. Uh, and then uh, Steve ba- uh, Steve Davenport says uh, uh, that, uh, he too had a, uh, that he too had a that he too had a run in with Ted Turner, and he's been uh, let's see have really been enjoying the story time with Alan Schwartz segments. Very interesting to learn that he immigrated from New York City down here to Atlanta. And then. Uh, relatively new listener ira stone writes and i I'm, I'm gonna ask him to be a guest on the show because uh, not only is he a rabbi but he's also one of the co-founders of the christopher morley pipe club in philadelphia so he's got some uh, some serious street creds shall we say uh but he poses an interesting question in here and this is what he says i've been listening to the pipes magazine podcast for the last few months i'm keeping current while slowly working through the earlier programs from the beginning Uh, I mentioned this when I left a comment on iTunes that you read on the air recently. Uh, I have a general question, and it is, uh, I've been away from the pipe smoking community for about five years. In trying to reconnect, I found your show and one other active podcast that is rather new. I've searched the web and discovered that almost every blog that I remember and many others found by Google searching are now defunct. I notice, too, that the front page of PipesMagazine.com doesn't change very often. And when I go into the archives to read older posts, most are a few years old. For example, posts by GLPs and others. What gives are the enthusiasts disappearing? I crave reading something like A Passion for Pipes. Well, I can give you some of the answers. Um, In in the case of A Passion for Pipes, uh, Neil quite honestly felt that he had run the gambit of what he could do with the blog and, uh, wanted to move on to doing other stuff and didn't want to leave it up there lingering or getting, uh, getting beat on and bastardized and just kind of hanging out there. So he did what I think is kind of, uh, is kind of really classic where, you know, he went out on top and just stopped it and took it down. Um, and I'm sure he's still toying with the idea of bringing it back. Uh, the other thing about uh, about groups and uh, you know and, and authors changing and moving and going and starting and stopping, I think a lot of it is what uh, is comes up with what what Neil felt was maybe they've written or talked about everything that they wanted to, and you know didn't feel like they wanted to rehash anymore um in the case of some of the uh some of the pipe groups or pipe forums you know most of those are hobbyist related and hobbyists lose interest or they get tired of it or uh i know in some cases some got hacked and they had to change the names of them and move them around so i mean things do change uh even in like the you know like the situation of the richmond pipe show had been going strong for 30 years and then they decided not to do it anymore and now they're coming back with a smaller version of it um all this kind of leads me to what i always want to remind my kids or anybody that's younger than me if you're enjoying something enjoy it be in that moment because You know, you don't know when it's going to stop. All things... (laughs) This will be really dreary. But all things eventually must come to an end. That's just the way it is. And live in the moment. Enjoy those things. And hold them as memories. Because memories are the only things that uh, seem to last forever. Until they kind of fade into the background. Uh, And then finally, Charles writes uh, in... (laughs) <laughs> let's see uh, great show this week with alan in this week's show you were discussing how companies had been sold and bought by others etc so some folks would be surprised at the fact their favorite blend was actually made by the abc company and i'll pause right here and put in uh you'd be surprised that <laughs> people would be surprised at what's gone on behind the scenes of the tobacco industry that's all i can say uh, then he goes on to write, If I'm not mistaken, Alan referenced Balkan Sobrani. He said that he wasn't sure that they had made blends for others, but if so, couldn't recall which. But he could do some looking. Unfortunately, most of the folks had passed. Ding, ding. Alarm bell is going off. Maybe this info is easy to find and already written down somewhere, but what if it's not? Too often I read or hear people say, Well, that period is vague or lost, etc. Be it pipes, pipe makers, tobacco, etc. Let's not let that keep happening. Even if it's on your own show, or uh, J.D. puts it on his show, referring to Country Squire Radio, uh, at least it's somewhere in an archive. I hear so much about this book or that, but you can't find a copy anymore, and it's been out of print since Fred Flintstone bought the last copy. Needless to say, a lot has happened since these uh, the, since these tomes came out. Obviously, I'm not a wordsmith or author. just look at this email. So not a challenge I should take on. Maybe Rick Newcomb needs a new project. Uh, heck, maybe you and Rick and Jim Amish could do it together or get JD involved. Uh, the young kids need to be taking over some of their elders because someday someone is going to be interviewing an 85-year-old Brian Levine who will say, that was Beau from the Country Squire who said that because I have it written down here. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to my ramblings. Take care, Charlie. Uh, Charlie, you're welcome. And that is a great idea. Um, you know, it, just, a, just a simple example is uh, I have a couple Disney-related chronology books that are just timeline books and less uh you know um less editorial and just pure fact and uh, maybe someone could put together a uh uh, a a uh, briar pipe and tobacco timeline book that would start off with uh, the briar pipes in saint claude and move forward but it'd have to be somebody with a lot of research capability maybe a ben rapaport or uh Maybe uh, Gary Schreier can get somebody to work on it, but it's a great idea. Now, here comes the real tough question, and it's all money-related. How many books can you sell and how much time? That's where it really comes down to. Uh, could somebody start doing it and building a website off of it? Sure, and put it out there for free? Sure, but that's a lot of work, and that's a lot of money, too, but... Uh, but it would be great. It would be really nice. I'd like to see just purely the uh, the history of the McConnell company from uh, from start to current. You know that that'd be interesting. Or hear about um, uh, hear about Charles Rattray You know, in his story, that'd be great. But how many people are really seriously going to be out there doing that? And again, it goes back to what I said before. You know, we we really need to do. A, we as people need to do a really good job of enjoying the moment enjoying this time now and knowing that it's not going to last forever and eventually it'll be memories and memories will fade away and uh, if I'm still sitting around at age 85 I'm going to be in trouble uh, because my current uh, pipe tobacco collection is only scheduled to last me about uh, 22 to 25 years all right uh comments or questions again email me brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them right there on the pipes magazine radio show page i read them all i love them all and i appreciate them all and in just a moment a rave
1: there's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine missouri meerschaum corncob pipe an american legend since 1869 It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
0: Take this time to give a, uh, a a thank you and a little appreciation to two things. One, uh, the Netflix series The Crown, and two, the Dean Martin Celebrity Roast. So, in uh, in order of what I liked, The Crown. The Crown is a Netflix series, so you have to own Netflix or you know subscribe to Netflix, and it's a series on the history of Queen Elizabeth. I've just finished going through the first two seasons. These are brilliantly put together acted directed filmed uh hour-long or almost hour-long shows that are going through the timeline of queen elizabeth of england why am i uh, why am i so happy with them well we're in the uh from the time that uh, queen elizabeth's father takes over the crown Yeah, so you're in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and I think the end of the second season is uh, right at the end of the 19. uh, It's into the early 1960s. There is actual real historical smoking throughout the episodes. They don't shy away from it, they don't hide it. It is real smoking, and they are real actors. Uh, They're actors portraying real people. And they're actually smoking. On top of that, they're smoking pipes. Pipes, cigars, cigarettes, whatever that, whatever that historical character actually smoked. That's what they're smoking. And they're showing it right there on TV. And I can tell from watching it that these are actual pipes being smoked by actual people. Uh, the other thing, the Dean Martin Celebrity Roast... A uh, late 60s, 1970s series, you can find them on YouTube, and they're hysterical, as well as, hard to think of it, but uh, people smoking on public TV, and occasionally you'll see a pipe smoker, so find those on YouTube, they're they're really funny, uh, you younger folks may not really understand it, but there's a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, time-sensitive you know, time references and stuff like that, but uh, still really funny stuff, so check those out. And one last thing before we go, I am playing Tobacconist this week. Yes, uh, all this week I will be working at one of the McCraney stores, the one up on the north side of Charlotte, so if you're in the Charlotte area, stop by and say hi. I want to thank Chris for joining me thank you all for tuning in and until next time
4: Think that's bad. You ought to see him wearing.